lesson number one of doing an intro. Don't overthink the intro. Just press record and you do a little talk. What's going on? Um, I've got a great episode today. There was only two episodes last month. I was a bit busy working on the new Stray album, hopefully going over to America to record that pretty soon. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, actually, I'll already be there. Just tapping away on those drums and that'll all be good and done. Or if not, I'll be rejected a visa and I'll be crying at home on my own. Um, what have I got for you? The Patreon. Ah, oh, Patreon people, you must have heard this early. www.thepatreon.com forward slash the downbeat. Oh, uh, merch. There's fucking none left. So I won't even bother telling you the website. Um, and I don't really want to hustle you too much today. My guest this week is Aaron Weaver of Wolves in the Throne Room. Atmospheric black metal. I think we settled on the uh, genre. One of my favorite bands. They're the sort of band that I put on in the van when I'm just staring into space, staring out the window, looking at nature in my own meditative state. Um, I've loved them for ages. What I did basically when I was a bit drunk, I sort of uh, sort of booty called them. I just sent them a message and said, oh, you've got a new album coming out. Can you come and talk to me? And then I just used the, the Knotfest thing as a the thing to you know sort of make friends. Um, but we had an amazing chat. Uh, he's such an interesting guy. Their new album, Primordial Arcana, is out August 20th, um, and it's their first album which they've made completely themselves. We talk quite a lot about um, the production of the album. You might have heard some things about Wolves in the Throne Room's living setup that are quite interesting. Very spiritual person. Um, it started, you know what? It started like the first 35 minutes are just press bullshit where I'm like, oh, I like your band. Oh, I like the album. And then we got deep. We started talking about earth magic. We started talking about uh, gratitude, meditation. I really learned some stuff. I'm very thankful for the chat. Um, I bought some books the minute I finished the chat. On, you know, some esoteric teachings. It was a fantastic chat. I hope you enjoy it. Aaron Weaver on the Downbeat Podcast. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but I am so surprised at the technological attention to detail that you're already showing me given the raw sound of wolves in the throne room well let's see here i am uh i am surprised i'm not surprised tell me more about that give me give me some more uh, what, what's going on in that rusty uh rusty brain of yours well i like i, I you know i'm aware the new album is completely DIY. I'm aware the uh, the video is completely DIY. But honestly, when I heard that about the new video, I was shocked because I'm, I'm a huge fan of your band musically. I know nothing about you. So hearing that you work in a studio, you have your own studio, you did all the video stuff yourself, in my head... 
it didn't compute. I was like, I thought this was like, in my head, you live in a hut. Please don't take it the wrong way. <laughs> in my head, you live in a hut making blackmail. Uh, the reality is maybe not so far from the truth. My house that I live in is actually made out of earth and straw. Um, but it's also a modern house. We have obviously an internet connection. I've got hot running water, but, uh, I don't know in my own personal life. I try to thread the needle a little bit, try to bring in some more of these, uh, ancient feelings and, um, old ways of approaching things. But of course we're also a, uh, musical group and we're artists. And I mean, how else do you make art other than to learn the craft and uh, have the tools and uh, put a great deal of blood, sweat, and tears into uh, learning how to use them properly. Amazing. Yeah. So, so I was half right. Cause I, I remember, I swear, I, like I got into walls in the throne room on two hunters where there was a guitarist in my band uh, was like, you got to check this band out. And I liked black metal. Um, and he was like, you got to check this band out. And I put it on and I was just like, Jesus, blown away. And I remember reading something about you living in like a, a closed community or like a something out on the outskirts of what people would consider a normal sort of town, if you know what I mean. Is that made up? Is that an urban myth? Oh, it's a bit of a mythology around that. Um, yeah, we don't like to focus on that too much because, yeah, there was a lot of mythologizing that went on around us as individuals. And, uh, you know, for us, that's not the story. Like, the story is the uh, the energy and the music. And um, But at the same time, I understand it. You know, I did the same thing about... Uh, the second wave Norwegian black metal bands imagining, you know, who are these beasts? Uh, who are these uh, magicians and wizards who can um, can make this these bizarre sounds that are uh, touching my soul and my consciousness so deeply? Um, and yeah, I think like anything, it's a bit of both. Yeah, it's true that we do live out in the woods. It's true. We have our own studio. It's in an ancient cedar forest. It's true that I go out every day and meditate next to a cedar tree and listen to its song and put it into the music. Um, but at the same time, we're also human beings and we're not caricatures. Um, it's the music that we do and that you hear on the albums is coming out of our life. You know, there's not a separation between the art and the artist in our case. Um, it's just a, uh, an expression of our hearts and souls and, uh, our dreams. And, um, it comes from a really personal, personal place. Oh, I love it. I love it. Even just, you know, we don't know if, if people don't, people don't know people who usually listen to the podcast. It's mostly for the most part, it's people who I've toured with, people who are in the same sort of genre as me and very rarely I get someone in a band who I genuinely want to know more about um and I think the only other one that springs to mind is uh Johannes from Cult of Luna I don't know if you've toured with those guys or you know those guys but that was uh another guy that I had on and just had so much that I wanted to dig into his brain about. So I'm going to try and 
try and not punish you too hard about that. But already you're fulfilling what I have in my head for you. We might might have met... We played a small venue in Lyon in a separate room from you guys. You guys were on tour as well. And I came to see your show. And I can't remember. I think I met a couple of you, came and saw your show, but that was it. It was a very brief passing. Um, and I'm just, I'm glad to have you on the show so I can just know a little bit more about this new album coming out. That's basically all it is. I was like, I want to know about this new album. Let's get him on. It's it's a pleasure, Craig. Um, yeah, man, I, I appreciate um, talking to people, especially outside of our own little world, because that's something that... Um, I oftentimes think about is that we are quite isolated as individuals and as artists um, living in a small town, living on the outskirts of a small town and spending the majority of our time over the past 24 months in a uh, very um, monastic existence of uh, visioning up this, this new record and recording it and going through the fucking journey that it takes to make a record. I mean, you know how it goes. Um, and so, yeah, I really am looking forward to this time now that I'm getting out there to talk to people about it, to hear people's perspective. That's always something that I enjoy because, um, you know, I'm so inwardly focused and just completely obsessed with every detail of the music and, uh, just in my own mind with it. I really always enjoy hearing what other people have to say. Okay. So let's, let's. Let's first set the scene for some people who don't know who Walls in the Throne Room are, and then I'm going to get into asking you some stuff. Because there's some things that I need to clear up as well. As I said, I, I have almost no idea about yourself, and it's your brother, the main, the, the two that started the band. Your brother's correct, Nathan? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've been there since the beginning, and... Um it's kind of a bit of a running joke. Maybe there's always been a third member that has come and gone. I don't think it's necessarily uh, a very pleasant or easy experience working with the two of us sometimes, but, um, starting with this album, um, our dear, not blood brother, but spiritual brother Cody has been fully, um, initiated into the cult. Um, and so this is primordial arcana is the first record where, he was there all through every step of the process from just the very first conceptual, um, you know, sort of wisps of concepts emerging through the, the writing process all the way through the mixing and the, the mastering. Um, he's been there. And so this record is really special to us because um, it marks his uh, mm, kind of full participation as a, as a creator. Um, and I think you really hear it in the record when you compare it to... Um, Two Hunters or uh, Thrice Woven, for instance. So, if obviously he's been a massive part of making the album, what is his specific, like, if you were to call like his role? Is he a guitarist by trade, or is he? Because obviously you're you're a drummer, but I'm sure when I saw you live, you weren't playing the drums. Let's see. No, I was, yeah, no, I'm the drums, man. I've been, that's what I do. Um, and in the studio, I do a lot, I, you know, I, in the studio, I play the keyboards and play guitar and I write songs on the guitar, but live, uh, 
that's me back there on the kit. Um, Cody, yeah, he's the lead. If you want to look at the liner notes, you want to look at it through that lens. Yeah, Cody, lead guitar. Um, and uh, he does vocals too, like on the record, the low growls. That's that's Cody. Um, okay. If you hear, if you hear like and a guitar. And your brother. Yeah. And Nathan, uh, rhythm guitar, some of the leads and all the lead vocals. Ah, but I, I had in my head for some reason I had that you played drums on the records and then you switched to guitar live. I don't know where I got that from. You know, there it was, was a, very hard to see who was back at the drums as well because of all the smoke and insanely cool stage setup. <laughs> you know, um, well, there was a time when my son was young that I had retired from the road for a, uh, a uh, I guess I took a sabbatical um, for a bunch of reasons. Um, I just needed a break from touring and uh, my soul was a little wrung out just from going so hard for so many years and so for a lot of the touring for the thrice woven era um my young apprentice trevor de shriver was filling in on drums and um i stayed home i during, think that's when it was it could have been yeah and so that's why it was um, definitely you on said, the album you might have said wait wait a minute why does aaron look about a uh, 15 years younger and have much shorter hair yeah, the short hair, that's what it was. Yeah, it was, there was no way it was you. There was no way. Right, okay, I'm not crazy. You're not crazy at but all, Sometimes yeah. you got to do that. I had to do it, man. Like, um, yeah, like, uh, it was just time to take a break. And like the, um, from the road, like I was, you know, we put out, I don't know if you know this, but Thrice Woven, we put out completely DIY, no label support at all. And the idea was that um, I would stay home, kind of tend the home fires, attend to certain spiritual things that needed to be attended to, and handle the putting out the record, which I'm sure you know is a, just a incredible logistical task to it, it's put the out the worst. A, to, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's tough, man, to put out a record on on all formats, to handle the. Um, the ever-shifting digital universe, the logistics of international vinyl production, shipping, distribution. And I was learning all that stuff, uh, trial by fire. Um, and uh, so that's, that's where I was. When Trevor was filling in on the drum throne, having all that fun, I was uh, deep in the trenches of being initiated into the, um, the role as label boss. Um, and uh, that's the main reason why Century Media and Relapse Records will be handling the physical and digital distribution of Primordial Arcana, because I learned the business, um, and I learned that that's not where I want to put my my chi, my energy. You know, I no, put, yeah, it will it. burn you out. It'll burn you out, and like the the fucking game is always changing, and um, I don't want to like learn some new digital platform like every six months it's just not what i do it's not what i want to focus on um, but i appreciate learning it i mean i appreciate g having gone through that um experience of learning that side of things because that's part of the magic too like you know if you wanted to sit home and make music for yourself that's one thing but that's not what we do we go on tour and we put out records so to understand how those mechanisms of power and uh and um logistics work i mean is 
the only one, the only way to learn how to do it is to do it. Yeah. It makes you appreciate, uh, as well as decide whether or not it's for you, but just how much, how much business work happens. I was like that with, uh, at one point I thought I was told by friends, you'd make a good manager because you've self-managed bands and stuff like that before. And then I, I thought about it and I tried it and I just went, nope. I cannot, it just, I, it sapped something from me that I would much rather be putting into something creative yeah. than sitting there and figuring things out via email. That's not for me. I'm a, you might, have, I don't know if you got it from my text. I'm a short texter. I'm a short emailer. I, I can't do it. I'd much rather do a call. I, lo- I love a short text, man. That's my my uh just i appreciate so much some people don't get it though some people get so annoyed i was i was told that i have an aggressive text tone once by someone i was working with and i was like no i don't i just tell you what 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 we need to do we're we're being short because time is of the essence i don't know man all the heart emojis you sent me like gave me a very like loving and sweet impression (laughs) <laughs> see oh, emoji saved me actually that email was probably pre-emoji but emojis <laughs> are my like that's my saving grace right now awesome it does help i mean okay. you know we deal with a lot of europeans obviously and uh yeah the emoji helps like especially when dealing with the germans things can get a little bit murky culturally. i was just about to say germans <laughs> yeah germans germans we've always had but German. I, well, I will say this sorry go on Oh, I was going to say, we've always had German tour managers, um, in Europe. And so, and I, I learned German in high school. So I think of the three of us, I have the, definitely the best understanding of the Teutonic psyche. The other two guys are just fucking baffled most of the time about like, why is that? Why is the tour manager being so weird? And the answer is, well, they're German. It's just their way. I love it. And I, I'm on a mission to make every artist rep that I deal with for my drum stuff german because it's so quick so to the point and just so efficient i just go i just like to go hey i i kind of need this i broke a bunch of symbols and they go they are on their way not even hello just they are on their way fuck yeah let's go let's do it man not the hey how are you in these strange times i don't know maybe i'm (laughs) maybe i'm just rude (laughs) but the uh the fake pleasantries in emails are especially during all this stuff it's just too much for me straight to the point where we're birds of a feather here exactly exactly right anyway i'm getting back i'm getting back on schedule so you and your brother for the most part cody officially baptized on this album and um previous albums correct me if i'm wrong all of them done with randall done uh correct well no that's so the first album diadem of 12 stars which was i don't know 2006 um, we recorded that um with tim green you know the band the fucking champs they were yeah. like this yeah kind of a math rock kind of band uh yeah he was the guitar player in the fucking champs and we did diadem with him and we knew him through the Olympia kind of DIY punk world. 
And then we met Randall for uh, Two Hunters, and he's been our uh, producer slash uh, wizard for Two Hunters, Black Cascade, Celestial Lineage, the synthesizer album Celestite, and Thrice Woven. And so Primordial Arcana is the first record where I have stepped into the role as producer. Well, I guess, you know, the three of us are technically co-producing, but, you know, I'm the one who's handling the... uh, the technical aspects and wielding the majority of the, the, uh, the power, just, uh, being the man behind the, the microphone or the man controlling the microphones. And, uh, yeah, it's a big, you know, it's a big shift. Did you mix it? Yeah, I did. Um, I hadn't planned on it. Um, but I said, I, I, we'd, we'd planned on having someone else mix it, a professional mix engineer, um, and weren't happy with the results and, we we all made the decision. Let's, I, let's I, just do it. Let's just I have go for to it. say, I think we've got some sort of connection problem. I'm trying not to speak over you. Um, that's why we did the clap at the beginning because I think there's a tiny connection problem, but it's good. I have to say, the Mountain Magic mix is unbelievable. It, by far, my favorite Wolves mix. Man, I I really appreciate that. It was, it took a bit of courage to, um, do it on our own. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of bands go down this path. They say, oh man, we don't need this producer anymore. I've got my own idea and my own ideas and it fucking sucks. You know, this has happened, mm-hmm. but we were confident. We knew that, uh, we could do it on the, you know, the, uh, what do you want to call it? The technical end. And we also knew that we had a very specific sound in our mind. Um, and I feel really fucking proud of it. Like we did it. Like I'm happy with that mix. I'm happy with the songs. I'm super proud of it. And it sounds exactly the way I wanted it to sound. It honestly is a perfect black metal mix for me. Um, and do you, do you, I mean, I guess... I was going to say, a Thrice Woven was relatively, I don't want to say clean, because I know that's a naughty word, but in terms of like a black metal production, it was cleaner than your previous albums in terms of the mix. And then I feel like this one's just very slightly cleaner on the drums. And that speaks to me massively like it's still very raw there's just a tiny tiny little like you dialed up the cleanness on the drums and i love it do you think am i wrong and do you think there'll be some people that are claiming it's too clean um i'll take that one chunk at a time no uh it no it's i wouldn't say yeah clean sure that's called a bit cleaner um, in that I think the drums on Thrice Woven were kind of actively obscured. Um, I think Randall has the concept that the, dr- the drums should be a little bit more in the background and shouldn't necessarily, every kick hit or every articulation on the ride cymbal should not necessarily be audible. Uh, it's just kind of like a vibe in the background, um, kind of mushing together with the guitars to create a monolithic experience and that's cool um i love that approach 
Um, but perhaps because I'm the drummer as well as the producer, I wanted things to be a bit more articulated um, and a bit more present in the mix with a certain amount of, I don't know, separation or the individual instruments inhabiting their own distinct spaces. And so the ear of the listener can choose to go here. I can choose to go to the ride cymbal. I can choose to go to the kick drum. I can choose to go to uh, this one particular layer of the guitar um, and explore inside the sound. Um, and whether it's too clean or not, uh, you know, everything I've heard is, I've heard a lot of positive feedback. I haven't, which it surprised me because to my ears, this album sounds really, really different than anything we've done. And honestly, we expected people to be not necessarily, uh, disappointed, uh, but surprised a little bit. Um, but I've only heard uh, positive, um, uh, feedback as to the way it sounds, which makes me feel great because same, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's almost like that's that's why I bring it up because I was sh- not shocked, but you know the kind of elitism that can happen with genres like ours, that are the various subgenres of metal, the elitism that can come, particularly when it comes to like a black metal band with with drums you can hear as you said drums you can hear the separation uh but a resounding like just everyone loves it which is sick i I, and also good for the genre and good for you guys thanks man i mean i i fucking appreciate it um uh well, yeah, it's it's cool. I'm, I'm you're a drummer. This is awesome to be able to talk to someone who plays drums, and is listening to it the same way I do. This is like a great pleasure. Yeah, like I had I had a very specific sound in mind, um, and kind of more of a death metal sound. Like my references were the drums on Covenant, the Morbid Angel record. I was just yeah yeah yeah, and um, the the drums on Human, the death record. Uh, I was going to say, like, um, it's got a Morris sound drum mix. Oh, that's yeah. what it fucking sounds like. Yeah. I mean, well, that's where we come from. Like, I'm, I'm 43, and the first, like, where we really got turned on to metal was from the uh, Death Death is Just the Beginning compilations. I'm having a brain yeah. Is Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. And uh, just yeah. tripping the fuck out on what is this, being 13 years old. And, uh, you know, no, listening to Metallica, but yeah, those, uh, death metal compilations were mind opening. And, uh, those, I think that just happens. Like the first thing you hear as a, as a budding young music listener, that's just in you. And like, that's your sound. That's what you want. So fuck yeah, man. The more sound drum sound, like that's like my whole that, that must be why I love it. It honestly <laughs> must be why why we're on the same because there's so there's so many especially when when you're speaking of those compilations there's so many bands that never made it but were also really sick like massacre you ever listen to massacre i mean just on the compilation but no i've never gone deep into the catalog ah like they were so good just that you know like mid mid 80s well late 80s death metal morris sound pretty like you know the Dan. I'm pretty sure it's Dan Seagrave artwork, like all the ticking all the boxes. But they were amazing, but just never made it massive. And there's so many of those with that 
sweet Morris sound drum sound. Yeah. That I just, it must be that. That must be why I listened to it. And I was just like, oh, this is fucking it. it and death, uh, death's one of my favorites, particularly the human individual thought patterns symbolic. The, the, those three. Oh, yeah. They're my, they're my three. Yeah, me too. Like the, um, yeah, those, uh, Sean Rinnert, I think he was on Human. Yeah. Is that right? And then R.I.P. Ho- then Gene Hoagland, of course. Yeah, man, those, uh, just like the, the symbol approach on Human is something I've always, uh, not aspired to, but I, I put a little bit of that in there. Like I've always had a few splash symbols and weird chinas around when that wasn't necessarily a, definitely not a black metal thing to do. I've always tried to bring a little bit of that, uh, that Florida vibe just cause fuck man, that's just what I love. Yeah. I, I noticed that in your playing, there's always like, there'll be a section on the ride symbol and then towards the end of the section you go, what I like to call the technical term is beyond me, but tinkles on the, on the ride, like towards <laughs> the end of the ride section, you'll be going along and then there'll be like a little bar of tinkles going on. Yeah. Love yeah. it. That's of, the human sound. A lot of tinkles. Yeah. Two, I mean, two ride cymbals. I, I don't think I, no, I use, I use two ride cymbals for a lot of the tracking for Primordial oh, Canada. Cool. And I use two ride cymbals live too sometimes, which is very much a Gene Hoagland thing. Yeah. And he absolutely crushes with that. Do you wear boots? That is, there's the real question. Do you wear boots live? Uh, you know, the feet, the tech, the foot technique and ever, an ever evolving journey nowadays nothing straight up barefoot no socks i started doing that on thrice woven um before that sometimes i would wear boots yep sometimes you know kind of like a boxer boxing shoe kind of thing like a pete commando sandoval style but uh recently i've been um yeah just just nothing just like foot on metal do you find that uh do you get any, this is just me asking you a question that I want to know and my listeners probably don't give a fuck about. Um, do you find uh, endurance is an issue with your feet, especially with your songs being gigantically long and there's big sections of double bass? My feet personally absolutely suck and halfway through a tour, I'll just go shit for about a week. Um, that's a good question. No. No, I think that it definitely, I don't feel tired. I just feel like I start to suck at a certain point. Like on a, you know, like a, a, a six week tour, it's bad. And then about two weeks in your tour tight and you're just on fucking fire. And then at a certain point, it's not a matter of like, uh, you know, physical endurance, but just, I don't know. I just start like getting disappointed. It just doesn't, I'm like, man, I'm just not getting it right and it kind of comes and goes in these waves i don't think anyone else that, notices that i think that's purely an internal journey that that we're on just entirely by ourselves on the drum throne back there there's a uh i've actually looked exactly that i've looked into it and talked with many many drummers over the podcast about exactly that syndrome we like to call it like week four syndrome where your brain is what the problem is here like the body's working, but something, it's just like little mistakes, f- sometimes forgetting an entire fill of a song that you've played for 10 years. Yeah. And uh, 
if I relate it to sports, because I had actually had a, like a, a power lifter on here before, um, and they call it uh, super compensation. It's so what happens when you do the same thing over and over again to a point it starts having diminishing returns and you get worse and worse even though you're performing the same task. And then you take a little bit of time away from it and then your body overcompensates. No, like no one really knows what happens yeah. in the brain or whatever. Your body overcompensates and then you come back better than before. If only you could have a week break three weeks into a tour. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Well, that's not the way it works, <laughs> as you well know. Absolutely that's, not. That's interesting, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, definitely a mind game. It's the mind body game, and I have an, I have a, a special relationship to it because my favorite drummer is Elvin Jones. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's like what I'm going for, like in terms of the spirituality of it and uh bringing a feeling with the drums and uh it's very non-technical like I've, I've never practiced i've never like learned anything it's just pure feeling and i like to improvise like i have a really hard time playing the same thing every night um drives the bass player fucking bonkers um but like all of my all the drums you hear on the record is first takes um really yeah yeah like like, yeah, no, wow. I, I, I like to go into the studio completely unprepared and it has to be improvised for me. Um, yeah. Cause otherwise the mind gets involved and the, the thinking mind starts judging things like, Oh, is this good? Is this bad? Um, and that's just not how I can, that's just not how I approach it. It really wants to be, um, spontaneous and, um, really raw. Um, and then of course I have the, wow. the problem of having to then repeat to encaps, uh, capture, capture the lightning in a bottle and then repeat it. Um, yeah. It's, yeah it's so a, now you have to learn, kind of learn it. <laughs> I do. And then it's really hard. It's like, like, wait, how did, how did I do that? Like I definitely, before I tour, I have to listen to just the drums. I'll isolate just the drums in the studio and like, wait, what the fuck was I doing? Like, that's weird. Like that, how, how did I even do that? It doesn't make any sense, you know? So you like roughly know the song or you know, like how, how does demoing, like how do you guys write songs Oh my God. without giving me all of the fucking magic? But like, is it jam room or is it, I can't imagine you sitting there and having program drums for a demo, like, you know, like metal core bands do. No, no. The way we do it is, um, yeah, we write everything without the drums. So for us, like, we know a song is good or it's finished when it completely stands on its own without any vocals, drums, synthesizers, anything, just the riffs played on an acoustic guitar, um, or like an electric wow. guitar or an electric guitar with no distortion, just the raw melodic elements without any sort of fluff or any sort of, uh, you know, trickery. Um, and then everything else is put on top of that. And we kind of roughly know like, oh, this will be a blast beat. This will be like a double kick part. This will be kind of more of a doom thing. Um, but I like to have the entire record completely written with just a scratch guitar. And then I put the drums over that. Um, we use, in, you know, it's, a, it's ever shifting. I think we might go back to more of the jam room approach. Um, but uh, for the last couple records, that's just not, it, it didn't work. Like we, um, we tried to do a jam room 
approach to songwriting for this record and we're just like fuck this is not the way it works like we want this to be way more fine-tuned way more meticulous um, way more thought out um but i could see shifting that i think the next record we get into i want to be come more out of the three of us playing together and a lot of that has to do with cody being fully in the group now because we kind of had to develop this approach to writing because it was just me and nathan and a lot of the riffs don't make sense unless there's two guitar players working together um and now we have that as a possibility a lot of harmonies exactly yeah um right so because i don't have the album so that's one that's one thing usually i'll just good to know i'll I'll poke poke around and be like "Mm -hmm, give me give me give me this album um i want to talk before we like move off to some other stuff that i want to just pick around in your brain about um the artwork is that you is that like i can't figure out if it's a painting or a photo (laughs) it is a photograph so yeah we made the artwork um it was a collaboration with a photographer a local metalhead magician and um we contributed all of the items that you see on the altar which are all things that come from our personal lives and our personal spiritual practices um and we arranged it together and then Amjad Fowler, the photographer, took the photo. Um, and yeah, it does have a painting vibe because that's kind of his, he's a still life photographer and he's definitely influenced by Renaissance still lives, like old, old masters, old Dutch masters, or, uh, and also medieval religious iconography. So yeah, I appreciate that, that it's hard to tell, uh, that it kind of looks like it could be, uh, either one. Yeah, I love it. It's like I was because I the video for Mountain Magic. I remember reading that you guys supplied all of the costumes and all of the props and everything. It's just what is that stuff that you made or stuff that you use for stuff? I mean, some of it is things that's just from our lives. It's just the you know things from our own personal spiritual practices. Um, all the costumes I made actually, I'm in my. I call it the creature shop right now, um, which is, it's pretty funny if you could uh, see where I'm sitting. It's just surrounded by all these masks that are half made and um, <laughs> piles of crystals and driftwood and branches from trees and um, all the things that I plan on using for uh, future videos and photography projects. Amazing. I, I really want to like, okay, I want to, I want to touch on it. So when you say spiritual practices, what what are we talking here? Because I'm like, I'm not a stranger to magic, but I get the feeling that there's some magic going on here. Well, what do you want to know, Craig? Um, I don't, I'm trying to think like what I want to know and what, what people want to know. Because I, I had, uh, do you know Daniel P. Carter? I'm pretty sure you guys did a live session, Radio 1. Yeah, yeah. I just saw that he um, played Mountain Magic on the rock show. Yeah, so he, he's a friend of mine, and he's he's a pretty magical guy. So I, I got most of my my learning through him. 
he recommended me some books. I got some books. Um, so I sort of like, you know, I, I've been dipping my toes in to the, uh, the, the magic realm. Um, mainly, you know, for anyone listening, we're not talking. I mean, I'm not talking. I'm A, not talking, uh, you know, David Blaine, rabbit in a hat magic. And I'm B, not talking. Uh, I've got a cauldron. But what are you doing with these? I guess in the, I guess you alluded to the album cover. Some of the stuff being from spiritual practices. Can you go into any of that for me? Um. Yeah. I could. Let me see if I can find a uh, a portal. Um. Well, I mean, what is magic really? It's just um, a big part of it is. Uh, it's an inward journey. And so for me, um, a lot of it has to do with dreams. Um, like all of my lyric ideas, all of my musical inspiration is informed by my dream life. And so one thing that I do that is, you know, you might want to call magical is I pay very close attention to my dreams and um, a lot of the imagery that you might see in the artwork were images that I first saw in my dreams and um, I like that approach because it doesn't require belief in anything it doesn't require that you believe in this spirit or this god or this uh, uh, way of approaching life it, it's a it's a um, physical and biological experience that's happening inside your mind and uh, it's extremely deep and it, every human being has access to it. And it's a really ancient way of dipping into the magical world. Um, so that's one thing that I do. Um, another practice. Do you remember your dreams or do you write, do you write them down? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of practices you can do to develop your dream life. And I remember, yeah, I remember my dreams really well only because I do write them down and meditate right. on them. I think I've heard that before. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm, and I've always been a pretty strong dreamer and I definitely sometimes am able to do the lucid dreaming thing where I'm in the dream and aware that it's a dream and I can make choices as to what I'm doing and who I communicate with and what occurs, which is not so dissimilar from the practice of art and creation. Like this life is a dream too, and we can choose what we want to do. Um, and there's certain plants that help with uh, strengthening the power of your dreams and the visionary quality of your dreams. Um, you know, there's a lot of different stuff that you can, different plants you can work with. Um, and uh, got any recommendations? I'm genuinely, genuinely uh, curious. Uh, mugwort is a good one. That's like a classic. You know, coming from you know the European, Northern European lineages. I'm sure like every culture has plants that bring you into the dream world but you know i'm coming from a european background um and mugwort is a classic um, there's a lot of old charms and spells that utilize mugwort as a way to bring the dreams forth um that's what i'm actually smoking in the mountain magic video 
um, in the beginning, I, I, I assume most people would assume it's cannabis, but that I don't smoke weed anymore. It's uh, that's just a big bowl of mugwort. I'm so glad you didn't just say weed there. When I was like, when I was like asking, I was like, please don't just say weed, bro. <laughs> I'm so glad you had something else. I, I don't smoke weed, but I'm interested in this mugwort. I mean, I appreciate it. Like, I don't smoke cannabis anymore because I think that it was affecting my dreams too much. You know, I don't know if you've ever been a regular cannabis smoker, but it kind of turns your whole sure life. Have. In my experience, it kind of turns your whole life into a waking dream. And um, I kind yep. of felt like it was stealing my dreams from me. Not stealing, but it was bringing the dreams from the dream world at night into my waking life which of course has a, you know, there's reasons to do that. And one might choose to live that way. But, um, uh, you know, it was just time to come have a, maybe a gentler approach. Cause I consider cannabis to be an extremely strong plant. Um, yeah. And just, I, I just can't do it anymore. I used to be able to, and now it's just, it just, just sends me the wrong way. That's it. And it's not how I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I had the same experience with it and yeah, it's funny. The plant itself came to me in a dream and it's like, here, you're done. Like I'm, you are done with me no more. And, um, from that point on, like it just didn't work. Yeah. It just, yeah. Maybe the same experience that you have, it would just put me into the wrong space. Yeah. It was almost overnight. Just when, okay, no. This isn't. This is supposed to be relaxing me. It's doing the absolute opposite. Yeah, it's good to listen to those messages and not go further into the uh, paranoid bum out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was on the cusp of that. I was on the absolute cusp of that. Um, the uh, so right. You smoke the mugwort, or is it like a just an ingesting it in any way type thing? Yeah, I smoke it tea is good and uh sometimes even just planting it and having it outside your bedroom window is a is a great way to do it i mean that's the gentlest way for sure and maybe the most respectful to the plant but you know whatever whatever works for people it's a really easy plant to grow that's a nice thing about it, it you know it grows literally like a weed amazing i'm so glad that you're like that you are true to what i imagine you to be like it doesn't seem like I don't know. I'm enjoying this conversation. <laughs> I can't. I can't put it into words. I'm enjoying the conversation. That's sweet, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I. You know. Yeah, there's not like a separation. Like you can see it in the Mountain Magic video. That's just. That's just us. Like that's what we're. That's what we do. You know. Um, it, it might be, you know, a little bit more uh, cloaked in some costuming and the aesthetic because that's so important to us creating an atmosphere and an aesthetic that's beyond just us as regular human beings, but it's pretty raw as to what our lives are, you know, or at least our artistic lives or this one aspect of our lives. It's, it's honest. I mean, that's. Yeah. It that, seems, it seems super sincere. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, the uh, when I when I saw the live show, unfortunately you weren't there, um, so it was missing a certain bit of magic. But the sometimes when you see, 
a band with a theatrical stage show. I don't want to say theatrical like fucking Kiss, like you didn't have flamethrowers or anything. But, you know, you had the the big drum and the, the you know, the endless amount of fog, branch, branch, like branches, nature on the stage. But it didn't seem contrived. Yeah, I mean, that's that's great to hear. That's certainly our intention. Um, and I get that feedback a lot, that, no, it doesn't seem like some sort of theatrical performance or some sort of put-on. Um, yeah, it's, it's from the heart. It's real. The, uh, well, just on the live, just to side from the magic for a second on the live note, um, the girl that was playing, I believe, playing synths. Yeah, Brittany. And I think she, she did the big drum um, and, like, some other, like, percussion and stuff like that. So she's a touring member, ex-touring member? Ex-touring member. Yeah, during um, that period when I was not on the drums, uh, they had to replace me with three people. Uh, Peregrine Somerville was doing third guitar, so there's three rhythm, three guitars. Trevor, of course, was playing drums. Endless gratitude to Trevor for filling in. And Brittany was doing the synth. Um, and that was the thrice woven era. Uh, but we're going to do something now that I'm back uh, on the drum throne. Um, we're changing the lineup to me and Nathan and Cody, obviously. And then Galen Bowden, who played bass guitar on the record, is going to do vocals and a bass guitar. And we did that lineup. Okay. Uh, we did a tour in Australia before the plague hit. And uh, did a run through Europe supporting, um, let's see, Demu Berger and Amorphous. And it it's just the best. How like, was that? Oh, well, it was great, man. Um, you know how it can be sometimes being the first of three on these bigger, like, semi-truck kind of tours. Um, sometimes yeah. you just get just treated like trash. And that was absolutely not our experience. Like, the all those bands and their crews were super accommodating and uh, very kind. And uh, it was awesome. It was fun. I mean, I like those bands. And uh, I didn't even know Dimu, Dimu was still touring. I swear they just went away for ages, but they must be. Yeah, it was right. Uh, this was right before this was in like, a, let's see, February of before, before the plague. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I think we got, covid coming home like we got home maybe march 1st and like on the plane ride home i got really fucking sick just like sweating like a sweating like a pig and just really miserable and uh so i think we might have been the ones who uh brought it to the uh (laughs) patient zero could be jesus yeah Uh, right back i i want to know i want to know more about the magic i'm really sorry Get back, um, get back on it, on the magic so, train. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting back on the magic train because I need, you know, it's not often I get like a practicing magician. Um, the meditation that you spoke of a couple of times every morning, is that a specific type of meditation? <clears throat> um, yeah, it is. Um, well, you know, it... It moves around. I've tried different stuff. Nowadays, I'm really enjoying a Qigong practice, 
which is a you know ancient Chinese Taoist uh, martial art, internal martial art, and meditative practice. And that really works for me to um, combine that meditation, which is just whatever inward focus, focus on breath awareness of the internal energy that is flowing through you and cultivation of that energy with a physical movement practice. Um, yeah, it works a lot. It works great for me. Um, but you know, Qi, I've done Qigong's stuff. the one where Qigong's the one where it, it looks almost like slow motion Kung Fu. Am yes. I correct? Am I Absolutely. wrong? Am That's, I completely butchering it? You're spot on. It is literally slow motion Kung Fu. See, that's something I've never tried. So I, I do breath work um, followed by like a mindfulness meditation afterwards. Ah, beautiful. Um, but I, sh I struggle with staying still. Uh, I, the breath work came out of n being unable to be still enough to meditate. Um, and then someone suggested doing a type of breath work. I did that and it allows me to get a clear enough head to do the mindfulness afterwards. But I do feel like a, a moving meditation might work better for my brain. Yeah, man, get into it. You know, I'll be, I'll, I'll spill the beans. I don't have a human teacher. I found this uh, YouTube video. I just found like, like, yes, like just, yes. this and is that, what I need. And I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's a very, I mean, speaking of magic and how it, it doesn't necessarily have to look any particular way. Um, magic and wisdom can be transmitted through any medium. Um, and there's no reason why deep knowledge and healing cannot be transmitted over a fucking YouTube video. It's just a fact. Um, it's out there like this. It's, it's a really wonderful thing that these healing practices and meditation practices are accessible to human beings. I think it's, um, a really hopeful and beautiful. And, uh, let's see, it's, it's, it's the hope that we have, um, in a world that sometimes feels very chaotic and teetering on the brink of destruction. I think within that chaos and madness, there's a seed of possibility for healing and for life to continue on this planet. Um, and it's to be found in unexpected places sometimes. Oh, if I, if I hadn't have found the breath work thing during the, you know, lockdowns and everything last year, there is no way I would be alive. Like that was wow. a YouTube video that someone sent me and was just like, I know you're having a shit time. Do this breathing thing the, it was the Wim Hof breathing method and then mm -hmm. I add that to a mindfulness meditation that I was trying to do for ages before that but the it, I cannot even put into words just how much that changed my life in term it was like there was a constant tinnitus that was life I guess and then the first time I did it, I had like the weirdest, the weirdest, like, it felt like I died. Almost like, like I was on drugs. And then the, the, the static, the tinnitus just disappeared. 
and was gone for the rest of the day. And I was like in the most insane peace. And then the next day, I, I don't think I did it the next day. I, I, I felt pretty overwhelmed maybe four or five days later at something else. And I was like, oh, I'll do the meditation again. And the same thing happened. Just the, the, for want of a better word, the static in my brain just disappeared. And then now it's a relatively regular thing. I, I'll be honest, the last week or so, maybe I've been too busy and that yeah, I can feel it. I feel more pent up, less uh, slept terribly last night. And I know it's because I'm not putting the work in. Yeah, man, it's real. I, I, I think about that sometimes that over this past year, how many millions of people perhaps are being turned on to, um, a practice like the one you experienced, um, just through necessity, because, uh, the only other option is misery or mental illness, um, spiritual sickness. Um, yeah, I'm very curious to see what the world turns into because so many people are changing their consciousness through these practices. Um, I feel great. I'm hopeful about it. It's really exciting for me. I like, I like that you're hopeful about it because already like, or maybe I spend too much time on the internet, but already I'm seeing like subscription based yoga and subscription based mindfulness and all this stuff. And it's, in my head, like, that's when, I don't know, in my head, that's when it loses why the person was trying to teach it in the first place. I get that everyone needs to make money, but the minute it's like, a, did you like this meditation? Then for five pounds a month, you can get more or you can reach the next level. That's when I, I think, are you in this for the right reason? Is this bullshit? And then I start questioning it. Um. Yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Um, and it's I don't think there's a I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to that dilemma as to the fact we're embedded in capitalism and uh, we're embedded in this particular incarnation of reality. Yeah, I mean, I'm a musician, so I make my livelihood is selling my deepest. Uh, soul visions and transmissions from my soul, my heart and dreams, you know, on an LP or on a, a streaming service or through a ticket or a t-shirt sale. And so I've made peace with that. Like to me, there's no contradiction. It just is this, this just is it. Um, and when I do get into these kind of darker spaces as to, Oh fuck, man, I I'm cheapening some very sacred aspect of my life through, um, making a living off of it. I shift my attitude towards gratitude for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to do this. Um, that's another kind of magical thing. That's very important to me as a daily practice of gratitude, which is oftentimes focused on the people that listen to our music are the people that have chosen to give a shit that have chosen to open their hearts to, to pay attention to what we do and give us the opportunity to continue to do it. Um, and I think in, in my own experience, as soon as I do that, um, those sort of feelings of, uh, 
you know, this nagging demon that says, ah, oh, you're cheapening things. Oh, you're just uh, a charlatan of some sorts. They all disappear as soon as I um, shift into a place of thankfulness. Are, are you doing that? in in your mind or are you writing that down as well this sounds like something i could do with doing <laughs> it's a, yeah just in the mind just like every morning like i don't know call it a prayer call it a mindfulness practice call it what you will just a matter of putting it into your consciousness and um and the more you do it the more you remember to do it so if you do get into a dark space no matter what that space in life is um i think the more you do these practices of remembering to be grateful, remembering to um, come from a space of love, gratitude, and positivity, uh, your brain just gets used to it. And it becomes more of the default uh, uh, modal, the default just way of being, the way of experiencing the world, rather than the darker or more paranoid or uh, murkier mind states that we've all experienced and, um, and uh, just aren't worth spending your life mired in. Okay. In a weird synchronicity at exactly the hour point of our phone call, this podcast has switched. It's changed lanes now because apparently you have all the answers I need. So it's now switched to the Aaron Weaver self-help podcast. (laughs) I, I, I need to know your entire daily rituals because it sounds like i need them it sounds like i'm like i'm open enough and i'm already doing a lot of this stuff but man if i woke up and i thought about how grateful i was for everything i would have a better day (laughs) i would have an amazing day i'm doing it tomorrow i can't wait but now i need more i need more from you as much as you're willing to give me Give me all your rituals from the day. Let's see. I'll think. I'll think about this. Um, well, well, I have a. I mean, I don't know if you have kids, but I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do before my son wakes up is I do my meditation work, and that's mostly qigong, uh, some breath work, um, and uh, gosh. Um, and this is outside. No, inside, because my my son Hawthorne is still asleep. So I just go to another space in the house and uh, set aside time purely for me. And it's actually very self-centered. Like I'm uh, not thinking about anyone else other than nurturing my own heart, my own body and soul. Um, and I think my theory is that if, if I go out into the world with my cup full, um, I'm just going to be able to give more and be more present to the people around me. I find I'm a much better father when I take that time for myself in the morning. Um, and then I usually have a morning with Hawthorne. I make him breakfast every morning when I'm not on the road and, uh, we do our reading lessons together and, um, yeah. And I don't know, do you have kids? I do not know. Okay. So, I mean, the deepest, oh, it's just a fucking trip because you have to be present. You have to be fully present with a child. Um, otherwise they'll freak. Otherwise they'll be pissed. Like these children are just these little meditation masters, especially when they're little before their ego, ego mind becomes uh, a little more dominant 
in their psyche. And if you're not fully present with them in that space, uh, they get mad, you know? Um, if you're thinking about, oh, I have this email to send later on today, like, oh, I should be preparing for this podcast. Oh, I've got this idea for a song. Um, that child is like the Zen master with the stick who will whack you on the head to bring you back into mindfulness. <laughs> and man, I fail, I fail 90% of the time. Um, and I appreciate talking to you about this because it's another reminder to like be more serious about that practice um, of parenting um, and being grateful for the opportunity to be a parent to another human being. It's a sacred duty. Um, then what's after that? I usually go to the studio and, um, gosh, it's a mixed, you know, it's like you said, a big part of the music world is the, um, just the business side of it. Just, uh, sending the necessary email, like, making sure that the the tour is going to happen, all these sort of logistical things. Um, and the struggle for me is to remember to step outside and do the practices that I have to do in order to not lose sight of what it's all about, like to lose the thread. And I've got a unique um, gift in that our studio is in the woods. Um and we're surrounded by ancient cedar trees. And I have the, I mean, the blessing to be able to just go out and meditate in this space and be inspired by and healed by and absorb the energy of the spirits that are there. They're like healing spirits, wisdom teachers that are in the form of um, different, the plants and the stones that are there, like in this space. Um, and I guess the practice that there's one, th Oh, go on, Craig. Sorry. I was just gonna say, it's one thing I miss. I moved to a city and the one thing that I really miss about what is essentially my old life is, uh, walking my dog through the forest, which I would do every single day. And like that, I feel like is one thing missing from my life that my day is not I need the meditation to replace that. If you know what I mean, that was, oh, that was cutting it for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I have it really, really easy in that regard because it's, it is easier to tap in and drop into that meditative space. But I mean, I, I do it on tour. Like it's, um, even in the wildlife of traveling, um, I'm still able to do it, but because I think I'm grounded in my practice from home, um, it makes it possible. Um, but it sounds like you're on the right path in terms of you found like just the right YouTube video. You found like just the right breathwork practice that works for you. And it's really a matter of discipline of like sticking to it. Um, and I think also knowing like when to mix it up, uh, because you know, I think there is, I feel like I'm at a mix up now. <laughs> that's uh, what I need. Yeah. I mean, that's a, something that I think we all run into is um, we can get kind of like caught up in the results. For instance, you talked about how um, in the first days of your meditation practice, you experience these crazy bliss states. Um, and maybe, maybe after a certain amount of time, you don't get there anymore. Like you don't, you put in the same, you do the same meditation, but you're not getting these results. 
Are you inside my brain? Because that's why I haven't done it in like a week because I'm not getting the high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had the exact same experience. Uh, uh, yeah, you do get high. It feels like being high. Um, and I don't know. So this is a pretty deep question that I'm just a beginning student in. Um, but there's a name for that in Buddhism. Uh, there's a name for these, uh, you know, what do we, what do you want to call them? Special effects, these, uh, uh, paranormal experiences, these peak experiences that you experience yeah. on, the, on the spiritual or meditation path. And it's a, it's a, um, thing to be avoided, to become addicted to a result. Um, one book that really helped me with that is the, do you know, the classic meditation text, uh, Zen mind beginner's mind by Shunryo Suzuki. I know the name. I can't say I've read it. So he, Suzuki Roshi was I, not the first, but certainly the most important, uh, Japanese Zen teacher to come to the United States and thus the Western world. Um, and that book, man, it helps me so much with that particular question or that particular issue that does come up on the path of craving a specific result to meditation. Um, especially with these powerful practices like breath work or yoga or Qigong where, yeah, you experience crazy shit. You experience, uh, a infinite cosmic orgasmic bliss you see deities, you have dreams that come yeah. to reality. Uh, you feel like you're on psychedelics. Yeah. All these things happen. Um, and from the perspective of, I think wise teachers that have been down this path before for thousands of years, I think that they're what I hear, uh, across the board is like, yeah, yeah. Crazy shit happens. Yep. You'll see ghosts. Yep. You'll experience these bliss states. Yeah. Don't pay attention to that. Just stay on the path. Just keep, keep at it. Um, because yeah, I think the, no, oh, go on, Craig. The, the, the problem is that, I mean, I, I, you know, reformed now, but I just fucking love drugs. <laughs> like the, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> the, the effect. So when I, when I got that plus mental clarity and peace afterwards, I was like, okay, this is perfect. <laughs> like, not buying any drugs doing this and then that stopped and exactly what you're talking about i you know i went off it so which means i was i'm in it for the wrong reasons apparently and i need this fucking book yeah i think it's a good place to start um another really great teacher uh, that you might have come across is chogam chungpa rinpoche do you know that name no I'm, I'm so not. he's had a, a very british connection so chogam chungpa um, was a Tibetan Lama, a, in, like a reincarnated Tibetan teacher. And <clears throat> partially, I don't know every detail of the history, but of course the Tibetan spiritual leaders were forced out of Tibet because of um, Chinese invasion. Um, he ended up in the UK. And when he was in the UK, decided to get rid of his, you know, traditional Tibetan robes and start dressing in a Western suit and start teaching Western people Tibetan yoga, Tibetan um, Buddhist meditation. Um, he ended up moving to the United States and founding Naropa University, which is uh, still there. It's in Boulder, Colorado. And 
that is the source of Tibetan Buddhism um, and thus mindfulness, uh, all the meditation stuff that you hear about, um, people trying to charge you five pounds a month, all of that comes from this particular lineage of Chogam Trungpa. Um, and maybe a few other teachers, uh, you know, Ram Das, who wrote Be Here Now in the 60, late 60s. He's another wisdom stream yeah. that's coming from India and certain teachers there. Um, but they all knew each other. They were all like buddies, like all of the Westerners who studied under these handful of teachers. Um, they were all hippies, like coming down off their acid trip who were looking for the next step. They realized that it's not tenable to just take LSD every day. And there's human beings who have been doing this for thousands of years and have come up against these same problems. So why not listen to them? Um, so that's my roundabout way of saying that Chogam Trungpa, I think is a really wonderful teacher to listen to because he is just brutal in terms of his like languaging around it. Um, in terms of saying, yeah, crazy shit is going to happen. You can make a diamond appear in out of thin air. You can fly through the air. Fuck all that. None of that is important. The important thing is the practice. And yes, you will suffer. Yes, you'll experience bliss one day and agony the next. Yes, you will suffer and die. This is the path. This is being a human. This is why we are in this incarnation. Um, so that's, oh, I just got chills. I just got chills from you saying that. <laughs> uh, it's it's just, I mean, I, it's just Chogam Trungpa. I mean, he was a very interesting, very complicated, uh, imperfect teacher. Um, and aren't we all? Is he the guy that was in, was in like trouble? <laughs> like, like, I want to say like womanizing or something am oh, i thinking oh, about yeah. the same or am i thinking about is it the same guy i don't know what the well, uh, yeah you think about someone else no definitely he famous womanizer uh alcoholic he died of cirrhosis of the liver he would deliver his dharma lectures like his wisdom lectures to his students shit face drunk on gin um or sake oh. Wait, um, so wait, so you're telling me that I can still drink and I can do this, I can do this uh, meditation. Uh, now you're talking to me. Doesn't work for me. <laughs> I think, but I think. No, that, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, I mean, it's it's a totally relevant question. I think that's like a, I think it's not a closed, uh, you know, the debate's not closed on that. I think that it's always in flux, and there's no like, there's no one. Thing you can point to and be like ah that is it um it's always unfolding and what i hear again and again from different teachers or wise people that i've encountered whether it's through like a face-to-face -face connection or whether it's through reading a book or watching the youtube video or catching a glimmer of it on a podcast is that it's the commitment to the practice that is the magic it's the commitment to the practice that um allows you to live a more fully human life and not get um sidetracked on ego trips or sidetracked by chasing after bliss states or sidetracked by whatever you know um both i'm very guilty of both oh me too no i i, I said earlier i just barely holding it together over here, you know? Um, but 
you know, going back to a gratitude practice, that's something that can't go wrong. Like nothing, will, nothing bad will ever come of that to just remember whether it's through, maybe you have an altar in your bedroom that has, uh, whatever these triggers are, whatever these, uh, maybe a physical manifestation to draw you back into the practice. Um, maybe whatever, it could be anything. It could be a picture of grandma. It could be a special stone that you got when you were really feeling connected to the earth and to the love of mother earth when you were walking on the beach, whatever it is, keep that in your room and touch into it on a daily basis. Make a commitment to sit at the altar for five minutes every day and just be in that heart oriented space and see what happens. Um, yeah, it's as easy as that. Um, and it's no silver bullet. Like, you know, it's not going to be like you start doing this and all of a sudden, uh, your life is perfection, quite the opposite. You will continue to live exactly the same imperfect human life shot through with agony and pain and failure and confusion. And maybe the one thing that changes or at least I've begun to see a glimpse of that, of the change in my own life, um, purely, which is purely a result of age, just like going through it is a sense of acceptance and gratitude for whatever occurs. Um, and maybe that judgmental mind that says, ah, my meditation sucked today because I didn't get into this bliss state. I, uh, it may, it's much easier to say, ah, I meditated today. And this occurred and not have a sense of judgment about whether or not it was a good meditation or a bad meditation. Um, it's beyond that. It's just today I did my practice and even beyond that today, I didn't do my practice and there we are. And here we are right now in this moment. Yeah, acceptance is a big one that I, I really, it sounds like an insane thing to say as a 34 year old human. I only really got into <laughs> allowing acceptance of a situation when I started, you know, delving into the meditation type thing. Like, it all came out of a, you know, a period of insomnia and during all of the, uh, you know, discovery about stuff like this, the acceptance I read something on acceptance and I was like, wow, I really have never just tried accepting that this is the situation. And the minute I did that about like, I can't remember I was in bed and I couldn't sleep. I mean, on maybe like day five or six of terrible night's sleep insomnia. And I just accepted it and felt it there and then just like, okay, I'm just going to lie here. It's fine. And then I fucking fell asleep. <laughs> It was insane. It is insane. And you see the trap there, right? The trap. What's the trap? Well, the, oh, then, then, I look for, then I look for it and I try and do it again. Exactly. Yeah. If I, do the, if I accept yep. it, then this will happen. And of course, now you oh, yeah. eat. Now that of course, you, exactly. afterwards. Yeah. I mean, here we are. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the ego doing its thing. And that's the thing, right? And I, I've tried, I tried all the shortcuts for ego death, right? Tried them all. And uh, I just can't do them. There's, there's too much, there's too much ego in my brain for any like transcend all uh, psychedelic trip, you know, with assistance to 
happen because my ego won't let it and I end up just having the worst trips on earth. The only the only path that I can do is I think I have to just, you know, go down this eastern thinking meditation vibe because I just cause even that is a that is even that's my ego. Ah, oh, shortcut. Ah, DMT, shortcut. Ah, mushrooms, shortcut. Yeah. It just doesn't fucking work. Or even like a result, a desired result. Um, yeah. Know, the, yeah, the, 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 path, the path is a result and the present moment is the result. It's, it, it's it. That's all there is. In any sort of machination. I had in my or, head. Sorry, Carol. I, I was going to say that anytime we get into that space of, okay, if I do this, then this. Uh, you know, beware, but also it's okay. I mean, like that's, and that's maybe where we balance on the razor's edge, maybe circling up around to magic and the, the whole fucking paradox that this whole thing is the whole like unknowable mystery that this whole thing is, is you have to vision the future. You have to say, especially as an artist, I want this record to sound this way. I have an image in my mind that exists in the future and it's my job to, I don't know, maybe grab onto the future and pull myself towards it with the power of my will and a commitment to do the artistic work of writing riffs every day and suffering and staying up all night trying to get it right um, with this uh, diamond sharp commitment to having a be a zit very certain fucking way and not accepting any sort of compromises. And, and of course there's a huge contradiction of paradox there, isn't it? Of, um, this, uh, will and vision to create a piece of art that I know exactly what I want it to be on one hand. And on the other hand, a complete acceptance of whatever is in the present moment. And how do you hold those two contradictory things at the same time? Well, that's the mystery, isn't it? That's the fucking mystery of human existence. And I think that the only thing, the only way that I've found to reconcile those two things is not try to think about it too hard and just, uh, accept it, accept it and gratitude and, um, maybe accept the help of um and this is a very personal thing just the way i imagine it is accept the help of spirits um you know in my life like i accept the help and the wisdom of my grandparents who are long dead i accept the wisdom and the help of grandmother cedar tree who is the spirit of the earth where i live um i accept the help of different deities that I venerate on my altar. Um, because that's another really human thing. I think that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. I think that, um, that's something that has been shown to help on this, like very difficult and confusing path to find those things, whatever they might be in your life. It can be anything and, uh, devote yourself to them. Um, because they can help. Like, when, how are you accepting it? How are you accepting it? Are you? Is it just a conscious? I'm accepting the help, or are you like? 
I think I don't know. I mean, I think I guess the way that I symbolically accept the help is to give thanks and give gratitude. Um, and so I think that if I give thanks and gratitude to grandmother cedar tree by leaving an offering of salmon, uh, I think that the universe or that spirit, which is just a manifestation of the one, uh, responds. Um, it's like a, mm, yeah. And it's, it's not like you give something to get something. It's just coming from a place of pure gratitude and devotion. Like I want to give this to you because I'm so grateful for you to exist in my mind and in my dreams and in the world. Um, yeah, if we, if, you know, I, I, since I found those things in my life that, um, give me that and give me that support, things just feel a lot easier than when I felt very much on my own, just like me and my ego mind, my thinking mind, just trying to like fucking bang it out, uh, trying to grind through life. Um, it's, it's felt easier since I've been able to allow, um, spirit to take some of the load. So would you say you're religious? Is there a religion here? Mm. Yes, but I would not say that to anyone else because, you know, it's a really loaded term. And has a lot of negative connotations. Yeah, I didn't mean. I, I the minute I the minute I said it, I meant you. You know what I meant, but I yeah. didn't mean like. So you're a Christian. Definitely. So you're this. Yeah, there is an acceptance of a God, but perhaps not in the sense of any known religion. I mean, that's how I personally feel. Of uh, you know, I think there is you know something we don't know but not a guy with a beard. <laughs> well, I'll say, I'll say this. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm a follower of a religion that is just now being born and it doesn't have a name. Nice. I feel like I needed to speak to you today. How weird is that? Because the, the you know, Zen mind, beginner's mind, the stuff about... You know, you you almost came from nowhere with that chasing chasing the high thing. That's literally what I'm going through right now. I drunk DM'd you when I saw Wolves had a new uh, song out, and I was like, "Oh, I want to talk to him." And <laughs> like, and here we are. Here we here we are, dude. Yeah, I I appreciate it's. I mean, it's a it's a odd for me to carry on about these, about these sort of things because uh, uh, I haven't really talked about this sort of thing before in this sort of detail um, but it feels easy like it feels like a, um, it feels like comfortable to, to talk to you um, and oh, I appreciate that yeah man and, and like and if anything it gives me an opportunity to yeah, be more deep in my own gratitude for the path that I've been on. Like, um, I mean, I've had, I've had hard times. Like I've had dark, dark times in my soul, in my, in my psyche. And, um, 
And I just know that I've been helped. Like I know that I've been helped by teachers, by elders, by friends, by my peers who have also experienced darkness and pain, psychological, physical. And, um, we just can lift each other up. And, um, this is my opportunity to give a fucking shout out to those people who like helped me so much, um, in my, um, darkest times, my dark night of the soul. It's one of those things where it's, you can't ever prepare for it. I didn't really, I didn't really ever have like a truly dark time until about two years ago. And I was just coasting through and then it was like, oh, this is the bottom. (laughs) This is the bottom. And it's only when you're out of that, at least somewhat, that you can start to be really grateful for the people that helped you out of that. I feel like your gratitude uh, ritual, if you can call it that, is definitely something I'm going to start doing. I've, you see, you sound very grateful. Yeah, man. Even I am. in just talking. I am. And I was taught how to do it. Like I think about, I've got a few like teachers in my life and human teachers, like living people. And um, the one who I think, Oh, yeah, it's actually a really strong feeling when I think about him is my friend Tibor, um, who's, you know, a couple generations older than I am. I'm 43. I'll, about, I'll be 44 this summer. And he's probably in his early 70s. And he was of that 60s generation. Um, you know, in 1972, he was living in a teepee, taking peyote, living in a commune naked off the grid in the middle of nowhere. And, um, he was part of that generation who was, I don't know, like opening up this sense of spirituality, um, as we shift out, as we're shifting out of a very patriarchal war oriented consciousness, um, into a much more something new, something different. Um, and one of the things that he taught me is this practice of gratitude and, um, it's really cool to talk to you about it because I've not ever verbalized it. Um, and it's, and I'd like to share it because it's something everyone can do. His, his gratitude practice that he taught to me centers on water. And he says, every time you drink a glass of water, every time you take a shower, every time you brush your teeth, give gratitude to the water, give gratitude to the spirit of the water and connect to it with your heart, with your deepest gratitude. Um, and that's something that of course is available to everyone everywhere. And, um, yeah, I use this time right now to give thanks to Tibor Brewer, my beloved teacher and elder who taught me that. Does he live near you? Is it someone you're still in contact with? Yeah. Yeah. He lives maybe a little bit farther out in the in the sticks. Um, yeah, he's a, an old, you know, he's an old hippie. Um, and, uh, yeah, beloved, beloved teacher and friend for sure. See, this is what, like, our people that listen to the podcast know I very rarely get someone on 
when they're on an album cycle or a press cycle because I hate it. I hate press. I hate being considered press. I hate anything being considered an interview. Uh, the whole concept of the podcast is interesting people. Um, but it just so happens in our genre, the, the you know, the, the vast spread of our genre, get, you got to get people when they're on a press cycle. So... If you listen back to the first 40 minutes of this conversation was press, and then we hit what the Downbeat podcast is after that. And that's ironically what makes it great press because people don't, people don't want to fucking know. The drummers probably want to know or like massive Wolves in the Throne Room fans want to know about the way the album was recorded. But your randoms, your normal people want to know if you're sincere to the music what's the deal with magic do you know what i mean like the deeper thing i've liked your band for you know over 13 years and not known any of this stuff now i'm grateful that i can that other people can ah, no i was gonna say have the shortcut but we don't want the shortcut do we <laughs> Oh, short, do you know what I mean? T- t- like, take, take the shortcut. It's hard enough without the shortcut. I, I'm grateful that people can listen to this and get a real insight into some of Walter in the Throne Room without having to guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. I yeah. This. I mean, I like podcasts, um, and I listen. I don't listen to music ever, <laughs> like ever, but I do listen to podcasts, and um, I appreciate the form because yeah, you you do have the opportunity to really connect heart to heart with someone through voice. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've gotten a lot of wisdom from podcasts and, um, it's a trip. You don't listen to any music, zero music. No, I mean a little bit here or there, but like not, I don't put on music when I'm doing the dishes or whatever. Um, yeah, Especially, maybe I will now that Primordial Arcana is in the can. Um, I might find a few records that I get really into. But, I mean, we've been writing and recording for the past 24 months. And I don't listen to anything else when I'm in that creative zone. Because I don't want to... Um, I just want to keep it just in my own mind. My own creative space and not uh, absorb too much. I absorbed enough... Uh, um, enough death metal compilations in my early teens to last me for the rest of my life. But I don't know. I, I am feeling a phase coming on when I am excited about checking out some, uh, some other artists. I heard a record I liked yesterday or, or a song, uh, Lorna Shore. Wow. You really did not. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like Deathcore. I like the, uh, because it's just so alien to me. Um, and I, I guess I appreciate any band that I feel like is doing a good job at something. And I was like, man, that's, I don't, that's not my genre. That's not my culture. But I, it sounds good. It's good. Good job. I mean, I had a death call uh, session at the gym today, actually. Just like, just the nastiest, most aggressive music that I could find. Bands that I hadn't even heard of that just, I, I went through like a Spotify deathcore playlist. Really enjoyed it. 
But I like I'm. That shocks me. Right. What what I usually do at the end of the podcast is that I ask someone for their for their top five artists of all time. Oh, and I, I was gonna I do not that. do it. I, I could do it. I, I was gonna not do it. Okay. Good. Um, okay. So hit me. Just top five artists of all time. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna keep this in the metal genre. Um, you can do that because otherwise it's just going to be like John Coltrane, you know? Hey, you can put Coltrane in there. Okay. Get Coltrane in there. That's one, I'm one a, out of the way. I'm going to put John Coltrane as the, the number one. Like, um, I think I said earlier, Elvin Jones, I saw Elvin Jones play when I was like maybe 18 and he's a Buddhist. He's a meditator. And he, he was giving a blessing and a transmission through his ride symbol. And, that vibration is like still in me. Um, very magical. And, and of course he got his initiation from John Coltrane, who was initiated by angels, I think. Um, so yeah, let's put Coltrane up there. And then that's blue train. It was a, uh, a constant rotation that my dad used to listen to. So that really has a place in my heart. as nice, well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Serious dad rock right there. Oh yeah. Uh, more, more dad rock. Uh, fuck. Let's see. Oh, dude, Metallica. I mean, fuck yeah. I mean, my like, favorite band of all time. My favorite band of all time too. Like, yeah, maybe. Lars Ulrich is my favorite drummer of all time. Well, no reason I started playing the drums. Me too. And people give Lars shit, but uh, he's the drummer in the biggest heavy metal band, the biggest rock band of all time. So fuck you, you know. And he invented the crash and the snare at the same fucking time. I will hear no other thing. I'm a staunch defender of Lars oh, so, until he comes on the podcast. I'm so glad. Yeah, man, he does. Like, yeah, no, I do so many Lars Ulrich drum things, including like playing like uh, really poorly sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I just, I, uh, I just, I just like, yeah, I'm just Larsing it today. But it's like, the thing is, when you listen back, he's always been like that. But, the mix and the takes, like people say it like he got bad. He's always been him. It's always been the same drumming. You watch back like the Injustice for All tour, there's there's slop in there. Oh, yeah. But it's that's always been him, and that's why he's the best. I think there's a reason. I think one of the reasons why, just kind of maybe some behind-the-scenes shit, he seems like he's the business guy in Metallica. Like he's the guy right after yeah. the show, he's like talking to the tour manager like how much money do we make tonight are we out of this t-shirt design where's tomorrow night are these logistics taken care of like you can tell he doesn't practice like um yeah he's he plays the drums and then when he's not playing the drums he's uh making metallica a huge business behemoth that's that's my theory yeah and then he and then now he's just business-wise why would you practice it's like okay my band's huge it's not getting smaller because i'm not practicing let's just carry on yeah uh let's see uh gosh I'm, I'm just gonna i'm gonna freestyle this if you ask me this question tomorrow be different you know who i love just love 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 is a burial i didn't hear that because the phone cut out burial burial the uh uk electronic uh you know, genre defying. Yeah, the the guy. The guy. The one guy. Yeah. I love burial. Like, as soon as I put on burial, it's just like fucking the waterworks start. I think he's like 
just touches my heart in this very like super sweet way. So I love burial. Interesting. Yeah. Oh God, I love it. I'm, tons of ton of tons of like my production stuff um, comes from burial. The uh, a certain approach the to synthy stuff. The synthy stuff and a certain like very subtle like approach to the sonic aesthetic. Burial is one of my 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 teachers there. Um, what else? Oh, uh, how about uh, Sepultura? My, as far as like thrash metal, a hundred percent Sepultura. Like oh. hands down. Oh, I, I love it. So uh, I mean, I'll go. I'll go. Ah, oh, it's, it's this is the thing. I I love Sepultura up to Chaos AD, and then like I appreciate the rest. But then I mean, I yeah, I like Roots as well. Um, but like the drummer Sepultura has now, Eloy. Oh my god, is honestly I think the best metal drummer I've ever seen in my life. There's videos of him when he's 14, before he's even touched metal. There's a video of him at like some Brazilian drummer festival, and he's just playing this traditional Brazilian like foot clave stuff with not a shred of metal just world class at 14 and then joins his favorite metal band and brings that style unbelievable oh yeah i've seen that video yeah he's maybe the hardest hitting drummer in the world maybe yeah yeah and, i would i would agree and to have that precision and that like groove and like feel with that level of just physical uh power i mean yeah no he's it- He's awesome. He's the awesome. fluidity, it blo- the fluidity blows my mind. Yeah. With like how he's grooving in fast stuff. He's so good. What's your go- What's your go to Sepultura album? What's um, your favorite one? Beneath the remains. Fuck yeah. Yeah, but I but Beneath I, and Arise, those two together, yeah. is my shit. But I, I love um I love KSID and Roots too because I heard that when I was you know whatever a kid and I can get down with some Jonathan Davis uh, rap. You know, like a little, I'm not going to lie, man. I like corn. I think they're good. I think they have some good songs. I, yeah, I, I can agree. I think they have some good songs. You're, su- you're only surprising me here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm only surprised. Uh, uh, you're, you're preaching. You're preaching to the gospel here. I know. I'm going to go down my list some more. What about, um, uh, this is greatest artist of all time. Or just, uh, I mean, just, just what you, I, I now just want to know what you're into because you're throwing Lorna Shaw and Corn and Burial out there. I'm like, go on, give me some more wild shit. Okay, well, something that I wouldn't think. I'll, I'll do something that's just right in the wheelhouse. That's, let's say, over. Yeah, um, that, that's now that. That's why I thought you were going to say for number one. And, <laughs> and specifically, Bergtat, the fir- their first record. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love when it was still like the the relatively black metal. Yeah, yeah, that record's just like got a really special place in my heart because it. That's a record that is so like purely um, evoking the landscape, and so that's my template. Like you listen to that record, and you close your eyes, you're in Norway, you're in you're in the mountains north of Bergen. Um, and so that's a record I learned a lot from about how to channel those nature spirits and how to 
take the feeling of a place and put it into music for sure. Um, one more. Let me see. Let me think you here for what? a second. Oh, I'm Before sorry. Go I forget. On. Go on. Um, what's funny to to just go full circle about dreams um, and what you said about the sort of, you know, being transported somewhere with music. There's a joke in my band where the times in the van when I'm sleeping like a fucking baby, I'm notoriously bad at sleeping, but there will be times when people will clock that I'm sleeping like a baby in the van and they can just hear a wall of blast beats from my uh, headphones and it's it's nine times out of ten walls in the throne room and I have incredible dreams and I wake up it's my my go-to like sleeping albums are um two hunters and black cascade and I will I will go to sleep when the first blast beat kicks in and I will wake up to the nature at the end of the album and I haven't been there but I've slept like a fucking baby I almost wake up is it the end of two hunters has like the sound of a river and the birds yeah yeah correct um and i like i will fall asleep once the first blast beat comes in on the second song and i will wake up at that point at the end it's the strangest fucking thing it's my go-to van sleep album sounds like a very relaxing and trippy nap yeah but you made it how weird is that you made it and you you citing older of like some you know somewhere that you know takes you to a place with that like enveloping sound but you're doing that too man <laughs> yeah i did that yeah man you know two hunters nathan and i were just talking yesterday i just did a um interview with uh decibel magazine which is the last big print i think the only print heavy music magazine left in the States and a retrospective on two hunters. And so I had to go back down memory lane and really connect with where I was in my life when that record was being recorded. And I listened to the record for the first time in years. And I was like, man, that's fucking good. Like there's something in there. It's there's like, it's this top 10 for me. It's a top 10 album of all time for me. That's high praise. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it, or at least even if you don't like it, it's something, you know, it's something that doesn't sound like something else. It's its own entity. It's my gateway drug for getting other people into black metal as well. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the one that I give them. Nice. Nice. Um, I have, Oh wait, they're like, Oh wait, this is nice. There's a girl singing. This is nice. Reel them in. Track two hits, and they're still on board. I remember I used to go out with a girl who was like a classically trained pianist. And uh, she said something that just stuck in my brain. I was expecting her to to puke when <laughs> track two kicks in. And she just, like, you know, with the vocals, I think it was the first time she'd ever heard black metal vocals. And the first thing she said, she just went, it's like the vocals are another instrument. And I was like, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> Yeah, Atmos- you just got it immediately. Yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, that's you know if you're if you, if you had to put a genre, if we had to go into a, a genre pigeonhole, I think atmospheric black metal is the genre that we've settled on and made peace with as the you know the approved nomenclature. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, let's go with it. 
I, I was, as we've been talking, I've been thinking of, okay, who's number five. And I will say, let's just go back to drums. Most influential drummers, definitely RZA, the, from the Wu-Tang Clan. Nice. 100%. Mr. Eclectic Aaron Weaver in the house. I love it. And not to be like a, you know, a, a, um, a boomer here, but Dilla too, because both of them have this quality to their drums that they're so fucked up and so wrong and not wrong. The way Lars is wrong, wrong. Lars is just wrong. It's just like bad and wrong a lot of the time, especially live. But I don't know if you've had this experience, but if you put like a, on YouTube, there's like people have taken like a Dilla track, just an instrumental track and looped it for like two hours. And I've had this experience where I try to like, and it's only what a eight or 16 bar loop on an MPC. And I've had this experience of trying to anticipate where the kick drums hit. And even after listening to it for an hour, I'm still like, wait, wait, where's that drum? And then it just like surprises me where it comes in. Even after knowing exactly how you make rap beats on an MPC playing drums for 20 years, I still can't figure out what he's doing because there's something very trippy and magical going on with his approach to drums. And Ariza has the same thing. Like if you listen to the beats, they don't, they're not right. They don't make any sense. Um, but they move your body and heart in like this, uh, really powerful way. Yeah. Like the, the pocket where the, where the one is, is blurred. Yeah, it just has an insane groove about it. That's why I don't think, like, even with technology and everything, you you can't program that. It has to be, yeah, it can be a digital sample. Someone needs to play that. You can't. The the space between zero and one is so infinite. Yeah, that it needs to come from a human. You can't just randomly. Oh, oh I'll just put the people have tried. Oh, I'll just put this slightly off the grid. Nope. Yeah, I'll put a, a randomizing uh, um, algorithm on it. Yeah, not going to work. Always sounds bad. For sure. Uh, Aaron, I think this is an excellent place to leave it. I think I've learned. I feel like I've had therapy. We've laughed, we've cried, we've, uh, we've done it all. Honestly, I love it. And I, I hope, you know, I know they will, but I've just... The only other time I've done it with someone whose like work I really appreciate, and I've I I get the feeling that we'd have stuff in common, and I want to know more about them. Is Johannes from Cult of Luna, and the episode went very much like this. It went thirty to forty minutes of pressy questions that I don't like ask, asking, and you don't like answering, and then it became a conversation that I am truly grateful for. I feel the same way, Craig. Yeah, this is kind of unexplored territory for me to be um, kind of delving into these spheres. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity. It uh, feels good. I'm going to, once I get off this call, I'm going to do my Qigong practice and sit for about 30 minutes and uh, do some breath work. Amazing. Um, maybe we can do a part two at some point. I, once you've done all that, I'm going to go to sleep. But once you've done all that, if you can send me your file and I will make the magic happen and then we will uh, just have a quick conversation tomorrow about when to release this and I'll have a quick conversation with Notfest on when to release this, but I imagine it would be somewhere in the next two weeks, if that's okay with you. 
Sounds great to me. Amazing. All right, mate. You have a lovely day. Sleep well, Craig, and have uh, good dreams. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. All right. Goodbye.